In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's hard to say whether it is fitting at the end of an academic year to speak of wisdom. Our heads are stuffed with knowledge and learning, facts and frameworks, data, dates and distinctions, homiletics, hermeneutics, Hume, Hobbes, Hegel, Hithpale, and Hapax Legumina. We have read much, studied much, we've written much, but wisdom, wisdom seems to be a different thing, and we are hesitant even at the end of an academic year, perhaps even at the end of an academic career, to say that we have acquired wisdom. And yet wisdom calls to us. Her call is clear. Her invitation is for all and her promises and gifts lavish. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Whoever finds me, she cries, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. The choice seems so obvious, but somehow it is not so easy. Chapters eight, chapter 8 of Proverbs presents us with a picture of wisdom personified as a woman, though I prefer her Greek name Sophia to the Hebrew Kachma. Sophia was the number one name for girls in 2011 to 2013, and it's number three today. Kachma, however, <laughs> is a little lower down on the list. In any event, wisdom does not appear here alone. But she stands next to another woman. In Proverbs chapter 5 and in chapter 6, and then again in chapter 9, we are warned to avoid the seductress. She is presented as one who has honeyed lips and smooth speech. But in the end, they are bitter as wormwood and sharp like a sword. Near her house, she lurks in the evening, in the night, in the darkness. But her siren call leads to death. Her house is the way of Sheol. By way of contrast, wisdom is described as one who stands in the highway and the crossroads, out in the open at every gate in the town with her summons. From her lips come what is right. Her mouth utters truth, and there is nothing twisted or crooked in her words. To love wisdom is to hate pride and arrogance and perverted, twisted speech. Her call leads you down the path of righteousness and justice. But on the surface, how different are they? They are both beautiful. They both 
fill us with longing, and they both make promises to those who follow them. They are at the same time so utterly incompatible and yet can appear so similar. Is it possible that we could confuse wisdom and folly, the fear of the Lord and the desires of the flesh? Ah, but wisdom came first. So she proclaims it. At the beginning, the Lord possessed me. At the first, before the beginnings of the earth, before the springs and the mountains and the hills, before the first dust of the earth, wisdom was there. And when God made the heavens and the seas and the skies and the fountains of the deep, the very foundations of the earth, wisdom was at his side. Like Michelangelo's painting of the creation of Adam in the Sistine Chapel, God reaches out to Adam with one hand, but at God's side, clasping his arm, is Lady Wisdom, a delight to God and delighting in the B'nai Adam, the sons of man. In chapter 3, she is even brought into Eden and called the Tree of Life. And so wisdom appeals to us through her ancient pedigree at the crucible of creation. But even then, at the very beginning of our world, the delight of wisdom was subtly supplanted. Next to that tree of life stands another tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent said, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. For what can be known about God is plain. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, but although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and foolish hearts, they were darkened. And claiming to be wise, they became fools. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and served the creature rather than the creator. Many in the history of the church have tried to give expression to this problem of wisdom and the seductress. Tertullian, at the end of the second century, asked, What does Jerusalem have to do with Athens, the academy with the church? Augustine, whose love for wisdom was stirred already as a young man, but none, nonetheless sought to satisfy his yearnings in the flesh, described the problem as the restlessness of the human heart that continually seeks satisfaction in all the wrong places when only God can give rest. And so for Augustine, we're caught in this circle in which wisdom requires that we both know God and love him, and yet it's impossible to decide which comes first and how it comes to us. 
Others, like Thomas Aquinas, were more sanguine about the problem and thought that wisdom was the natural trajectory of man. But Luther, unsurprisingly, put the problem of wisdom, the seductress in human condition, bluntly and shockingly when he said, reason is the devil's harlot. In other words, it is paradoxically through the very desire for wisdom that the devil can deceive us and twist that desire into its own idol. A religion of knowledge and supposed wisdom, but without the fear of the Lord, without truth or justice. A religion inane and anchorless that debates incessantly about our supposed knowledge of what is good and what is evil, no longer animated by a desire for what is right, but only a desire to be right. And so even though wisdom in plain sight cries aloud in the street, in the market she raises her voice, humanity has this tendency to ignore her. As a wise man once said, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. But the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her children. Yes, this wise man, this Ben-Adam, this son of man, he understood wisdom. Just like wisdom in the beginning, God delighted and rejoiced in him, and he delighted in God's creation, broken though it now was. He rejoiced in the sick made whole, in the stooped woman made straight, in the blind made to see, in the lame made to walk. He brought salvation to the house of the tax collector and to the adulteress and the harlot. He brought forgiveness and love. But the Jews demanded signs and the Greeks sought wisdom. And so in utter foolishness, this son of man, God's man, God's son, God's wisdom, shamed the wise through the folly of his crucifixion. And in the darkness and shadow of his cross, the bright glint of all of humanity's great accomplishments and achievements lost their glitter and their gleam. For Christ crucified is, in fact, the creative power and wisdom of God. And for us who are found in him, he is the source of our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I suspect you all know this. You've studied it. You've read about it. You've even written about it. But perhaps it is fitting at the end of an academic year, at the end of our many achievements and accomplishments, to let the cross of Christ put them in their proper place 
For only from that place can we see clearly what God has done, has truly made, and delight in the new thing that he has created through his Son, a path to righteousness and life, the resurrection and the life. And from there we can share in the joy of God and the joy of his Son, the joy and delight of wisdom that rejoices in the inhabitants of the earth and the sons and daughters of men. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your ways and live and walk in the way of understanding. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.